In the holy name of Jesus, amen. We just got done singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. You can see Hosanna on the altar today. We've heard the crowds in our gospel reading today so say Hosanna to the King of David, the Son of David. What does this word exactly mean? Hosanna is not like Alleluia or Hallelujah, which is simply praise the Lord. Hosanna really means, Lord, save us now. Lord, save us now. That's what we just got done singing. That's what we just got done hearing. But what is it that we are asking the Lord to save us from? Are we asking him to save us from the coronavirus? Are we asking him to save us from the donkeys and the elephants who are fighting constantly in our capital at our expense? Are we asking him to save us from financial insecurity, from high gas prices? Are we asking him to save us from divorce, from domestic conflict? Are we asking him to save us from high prices at Walmart? What exactly is it that we are here today shouting, Hosanna, loud Hosanna? Now you might say the Sunday school answer, which we all know, Pastor, we are asking him to save us from sin and death. But is that really the case? Is that really the case? Death is our greatest enemy. Sin is our greatest enemy as well. And not only are we tempted to fall into sin from all of the influences around us, we ourselves listen to that temptation and we ourselves are our greatest enemy. Are we actually asking God today to maybe, just maybe, save us from ourselves? from the person that you see in the mirror. Because as much as we like to talk about everything out there with the government and all of their bantering, with the gas prices and the costs of things, and with the coronavirus that once again we hear about over and over each and every blasted day, the reality is, is that this really all boils down to yourself and to myself. The crowds might have been saying in a collective way, Lord, save all of us, but really, on the day of judgment, I'm not going to stand there with you, on behalf of you, with God. And you're not going to stand there with me, on behalf of me. We will stand before the throne of God on the day of judgment, and the books will be opened, Scripture says, and we will be given an account of what it is that we've done and not done. Now, for those of us who are not in Christ, that's a terrifying day. It's a day that we want to avoid at all costs. But for those of us who are in Christ, Christ will be there. Christ will be there because he has saved you. That's exactly why he came to Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. This is an amazing day in the life of the church, and it's not because it's festive and we've got the palms and the red and everything else. I mean, that's all fine. It's all great. But really, today is a day where Jesus boils everything down for you and for me by focusing on two things that we should never, ever talk about. Two things I dare you to talk about at your Easter dinner next Sunday. Religion and politics. Ugh, you might say. Don't ever mix up religion and politics. Don't ever get into it. You have all been there before at your family dinners or family reunions when somebody starts talking about religion 
or the fact that they're a donkey or an elephant or whoever else it is, all of a sudden, tempers flare, people get out of hand, and the whole festival, the whole feast, is ruined. You just had to bring it up, didn't you? Just had to do it, just had to say it, didn't you? Well, they're not on the right path, they're not on the right path in terms of their Christianity or their politics or whatever else. Jesus comes today in the Palm Sunday and he tackles these two things, religion and politics. If you read these gospel readings, throughout all of the gospel readings, Jesus is avoiding Jerusalem like the plague. He is rarely found there, if ever. He's there when he's a young boy, but he is not there as an adult. He's all the way up in the sticks of Capernaum in Galilee. He is all the way up in the countryside with a bunch of country bumpkins who are following him. He doesn't go to Jerusalem because the high priests, the chief priests, the Pharisees, and all of the other religious leaders have control of Jerusalem. He doesn't go there because Jerusalem is also encountered with the Roman government. He would rather be out in the rural countryside with the people who we've heard about in the feeding of the 5,000 and the other places where people are constantly following him. But now that his time has come, he must go into the Jerusalem, the city of heavenly peace. He must go into his father's holy city to tackle on religion and politics. You heard it from today. Who is this? Who is this guy? And the people say, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth? Fill in whatever city you try to avoid, whatever town you try to avoid, and that's how the people viewed Nazareth. This wasn't a place that great and mighty kings and saviors came from. But nonetheless, he enters into Jerusalem, and the people are shouting, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. And all throughout this next week of Holy Week, we're going to find out how Jesus mixes up everything. He stirs up everything. He turns everything up on its ear as he tackles religion and politics. He tackles religion in terms of how the chief priests and Pharisees were fleecing God's people, telling them that they had to obey 600 plus laws in order to be considered children of God. He tackles on politics as he takes on not only Herod and his own people, but also Pilate and the Roman government. And he comes in as a king, a royal king. Now you might look at him riding on a donkey and say, oh, look at how humble he is with all of this. That has nothing to do with humility. Jesus riding on a donkey shows that he is truly the king of Israel. All of Israel's kings rode a donkey. They didn't ride a Clydesdale or a draft horse. They didn't have a golden chariot. Go back and see how Solomon enters in as king. He comes in riding on a donkey. This was a great and noble sign for the people of Israel that their king had actually come in. And this is an amazing statement because Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding this donkey and he says, I have arrived. I have come to tackle everything concerning religion and politics and even more so disease, scarcity, famine, sin, and death. That is why he's come. And that is why we still sing, Hosanna loud, Hosanna, Hosanna save us now. And today and every day he does. He does for you. 
He does for me. He comes today not only to tackle religion and politics and our views of how it is that we think that we are to be saved or what exactly is the hot-button topic that we need to be saved from. He comes to save us from ourselves, from sin and from death. In just a few moments, we will come to this table. Some of you, it's the first time in a long time. And right before we come to this table, we will sing those words, Hosanna in the highest, Lord, save us now. And Jesus will, and he does. He does not come riding a donkey here today. We're not those types of people who try to recreate this stuff. He comes riding in on bread and wine to place himself into your mouth so that you may be one with him so that you may be reminded and strengthened and forgiven and know that as you receive this great and wondrous gift in your ears and in your mouths, he has saved you. He has saved you by his death and his resurrection, and through this wondrous meal, you are given his last will and testament for you, to forgive you and to strengthen you and to promise that he is with you to save you through everything, everything that we could possibly face, even ourselves. So yes, Hosanna in the highest, loud Hosanna, Lord, save us now. And as we enter into this week, you will be reminded once again that he has come for you. He has come for the entire world. He has come for you no matter what we are facing in this life, whether it is times of happiness or sheer sadness, whether it's times of plenty or scarcity, whether it's times of chaos or unity. He has come for you in order to save you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.